Hello, hello, my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Before I start, I want to remind those of you who would like to write to me and don't have my email address yet. Uh, it is d-r-p-e-t-e-r-r-e-z-n-i-k at gmail.com, drpeterresnik at gmail.com. And also, if you want to call us during this show with your comments and or questions, you can do this as well. The number here is um, 888-874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. Last week, I shared with you uh, the news that my new book, Taming the Debater Within, came out. It is available now on Amazon.com as a paper copy and on my website as an ebook. And then I had a wonderful guest here, psychiatrist, Dr. Norman Rosenthal, who identified what is called uh, SAD, SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder. But we did not speak about the SAD. We spoke about his latest book, Poetry Rx, how 50 inspiring poems can heal and bring joy to your life. Dr. Rosenthal read some poems uh, from the book with his magnificent South, South African accent. Uh, it was really wonderful. And if you missed the last show, I highly recommend you go back. Uh, it is available on PRN's archives. And today, as I do every other week, I intended to have an open mic. That is, I accept people's calls, uh, address issues that they bring up, uh, work on their night dreams. But I decided to move uh, that kind of a show to, for the next week, the last show of the year. I was so impressed by Dr. Rosenthal's uh, employing poetry as a part of his psychiatric practice that it brought me right back to thinking about my teacher of blessed memory, Madame Colette Bouquier-Muscat. I often think about her. Uh, Colette also wrote a book of poetry. Ever since I started doing this show, I have been mentioning the name of Colette, uh, of my teacher. And yes, I thought of having a whole show dedicated to talking about her, her work and her life, inviting people who knew her, her students. C Colette had a remarkable really remarkable life, meeting queens and kings, impacting lives of thousands, if not millions, not just as a psychologist, a healer or teacher, but also as a leader of resistance during the World War II. By the way, she was awarded by General Eisenhower with a medal, uh, only five medals were made like this, uh, along with Eleanor Roosevelt, in fact, and three other women. The medal was called Once of one uh, of five mothers who saved the world. Um, but that would be a whole other show. But under the influence of my interview with Dr. Rosenthal, I thought of doing something today regarding Colette's poetry. And that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to our today's guest. Uh, let me introduce you to our guest, and that is uh, Dr. Oleg Resnik. Oleg, are you here? Uh, yes, yeah, I'm here. 
Hi, Peter. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for, again, I already thank you. Thank you uh, on Sunday when we spoke. Thank you again publicly for making time because it was kind of in spur of a moment. You and I spoke on Sunday and I said, why don't we do it? And uh, and there was no other day that you were available, but this Tuesday. So you, you kind of uh, agreed to come uh, for this to this show. So in, in such a short notice. But let me let me say first few words about you and then I will give you the mic. Yes, sure. ladies and gentlemen, Oleg, Dr. Oleg Resnik is my nephew and he's a medical doctor. And I had him here on the show about nine months ago as he spoke about his book, Secrets of Medical Decision Making. But today, I will tell you something we did not talk about during the last uh, interview. And that is that Oleg also was a student of my teacher or of our teacher, Colette. I met Colette in 1989 and became her student. And in 1992, Oleg, correct me if, if I'm wrong. In 1992, I broke, brought Oleg with me to Israel. He was then 22 years old. And uh, I think, Oleg, you were a registered nurse then and went to medical school, started going to medical school. Is that right? I, I was a registered nurse, but um, no, I had I was uh, maybe just starting a pre-med at that point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember Colette totally embraced Oleg, totally accepted him as a student, and he became a student from that time on. And in 1995, uh, Colette wrote a, a book of poetry called Alone with the One. And I, it was published uh, by Acme Press. And we were all, all her students and everybody who read the book were very impressed by the depth of her poetry. But, and I, I'm just repeating what Colette said to me, and I believe she said it publicly, but of all people, Oleg, Colette said, understood her poetry more than anybody else. In fact, uh, Oleg memorized all of her 86 poems. And from that time on, I, I don't think that Oleg and I traveled together to see Colette. I, I traveled for 13 years every year to spend time with Colette. Uh, and Oleg started traveling after, right after the year he met her. And when, whenever Oleg would come uh, to visit Colette, and she had what was, was called uh, Saturday night salons, where everybody was invited. And there were always crowds of people sitting uh, on, on chairs on the floor. And when Oleg would come, she would ask him to speak about her poetry. That is, he would stand there and people would say, uh, tell us the poem number 10 or 20. He would recite the poem and then talk about the meaning. And I, a couple of more words and then I will ask, um, give the mic to uh, Oleg. Uh, on Sunday, when Oleg and I were discussing the possibility of him coming on this show today, Oleg actually had reservations because he said, uh, when you talk about something, you may ruin the impact of the poem. And I spoke about it actually 
with Dr. Rosenthal as well. And I agree, the poem has uh, this um, capacity to give a jolt. On the other hand, we have to also respect, and that was my uh, convincing argument to Oleg, Colette still, even though she wanted people to read her poetry in this way, to, so they would have the impact of the first reading, she also invited Oleg to talk about the meaning. And, and something else came to my mind regarding the meaning and how it's just a memory from our experience, how Oleg used uh, the, the meaning of the message of the poem in everyday life. And that is many years ago, and Oleg, maybe you remember when it happened, I invited Oleg to go with me skiing. And I'm not a great skier, and you know, those who ski know, you go black diamond, it's super difficult, blue color trails, where it's like intermediate and green, easier trails, which are still challenging if you never skied. But I skied, so I would go on, on blue uh, color trails. And I brought Oleg, and he never skied before that. And there are also bunny slopes for a total beginners. And I didn't want to offend uh, Oleg taking him on a bunny slope. So I took him, we took uh, this lift, and we went on the green color slope. And it still was kind of quite relatively steep for a person who never skied. And so we were standing on a, on a slope. And I said, listen, I'm, I'm concerned. I, I, I started telling him, watch how people do it. He said, it's okay, it's okay. You go down and wait for me down there. And so I went, I don't know, maybe 500 feet down, and I'm waiting. I stopped, and I'm waiting for him. And suddenly, I see Oleg doing the right thing. And that is, if you know, when you, if you ski, it's a relatively narrow trail, and then you have to if you want to turn, and it's kind of counterintuitive, you, you naturally want to move away from the cliff, go, <laughs> otherwise you fall down. Uh, but the right thing is you lean, let's say if you are um, skiing to the right, you need also to lean on your right foot, on your right leg, and then the, the skis will turn you to the left. And if you are going to the left, you need to lean toward the left and it will turn you to the right. And you go like to left, right, left, right. Otherwise, if you go straight down, you will have an incredible speed and you definitely will get hurt. And so I, I watch uh, Oleg just doing the right thing. And when he arrived and joined me down there at the, at the, at the bottom, I said, how did you learn? You, I, I know you never skied. And Oleg simply said, well, it's like in Coel Colette's poem. And it's written there you lean into adversity. And ladies and gentlemen, just because of this line, Oleg did the right thing skiing. I just want you to appreciate it. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we have the privilege of having the man who understood Colette's poetry, as she said, more than anybody else. And I will give him the floor. I will give him the mic now. Uh, Oleg, first, please say what you want to say about Colette's poetry. Uh, and then, uh, if you want, uh, you can recite one of the poems and talk about it. Um, so, uh, the poetry is specifically designed 
as a spiritual teaching. Um, so it's um, uh, and it's worthwhile, I think, to read the postface, uh, which is something Colette wrote at the end of her. Um, 86 poems book alone with the one book at the ver at the end she wrote postface and I think it's better to read it in the beginning because for her students who originally would get these poems um, just knowing Colette was enough to uh, appreciate that there's something significant about them for people who don't know Colette um, I think this can provide a context. Um, so I thought I would start with that, if that, if you are okay Great. with it, Peter. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm so it, the book. So go yeah. ahead. Okay, yeah, and it's it's a book of 86 poems, and as you said, Peter, I, I did, um, uh, Colette invited me to do a couple of salons on her poetry, and then gave me additional 24 poems um, after that. So I, I have a total of 110. Um, so here's the post phase, which is at the end of Alone with the One. These poems, The Pilgrim's Progress of a Soul, are a progressive teaching. This is the first sentence. Colette was very concise and very precise in her speech. Okay, so it's Pilgrim's progress of a soul are a progressive teaching um, so let me keep going as you uh, live the, uh, this teaching by climbing a step at a time as if on a ladder the poems if read as a unit will serve as an induction to propel you to your own discovery of your inner being. Okay, this is the second sentence. Very dense. I could speak about each sentence. Um, you know, the first one, it's a pilgrim's progress of the soul. It's uh, her spiritual experiences. So it's a spiritual experiences placed into a poetry form. So I will come back to that. Um, and the second sentence is telling you how to approach them. Um, so if you read this teaching, uh, yeah, it will be, and, okay, sorry, I lost my, okay. If you read, uh, as a final letter, if you read as a unit, will serve as an induction to propel you to your own discovery of your inner being. These poems orient you to the direction of the one mind, as Philo, the great Alexandrian Jewish philosopher, was the first to say. You may see and experience these poems at different levels. And then she has one, two, three, and four. Number one, a ladder and a scale for your own human development. Number two, an entrance into a parallel universe and a step forward through the door. Number three, an achievement that may permit you to gain possibly the one mind and to be one with it. And number four, four a platform from which to jump toward the direction of spirit, the spirit that invites us to travel on the waters of the heights. And here, the waters of the heights, of course, is the reference to the book of Genesis. 
and the creation story. Um, so here, and that's it, Colette, this, this is her post-word. Um, so um, this, this has a lot of uh, information about the poetry and what to do with it, in my mind at least. So because it's spiritual experiences, it has to be, ultimately to be understood, it has to be understood on direct experiential level. Um, we can use intellect to gather information so that we can understand the surface or the form of the poem. But the ultimate understanding is not something that you speak about. It's something that you get directly. Like being in love, those who are in love know what it is being in love. If one, somebody who has never been in love they may ask a question, do you believe in love? They don't even know if such a thing exists. They can read about it, but it seems like a fantasy. So, so Colette's poetry is like that. The ultimate understanding of each poem, it's very precise. It's not vague. Uh, and it's designed um, as something that triggers specific type of resonance within the person. Um, so how's it so far, Peter? I just want to make sure I'm not flying away. But I actually have a question for you. Okay. Yeah. Um, in in uh, number two, uh, Colette writes, the entrance into parallel universe and the step forward through the door. And in number four, she talks about jump, jumping toward direction of spirit. So these are, I understand, two different experiences. So what does she mean in your understanding, uh, step through the door? Yeah. So, so let me go through them first. Uh, so the first one, letter and the scale. You know, so a letter is a, a stepwise upward growth uh, process, process of growth that can be used also as a scale. You can recognize yourself in the poem and see where you are on this, on this scale. The second is an entrance into the parallel universe and step forward through the door. Um, it's an entry into the whole world of inner life and not just in a way that realizing that it's there, but to actually see the reality of it and experience it as something that's of greater significance than the, the, the regular day-to-day -day physical world. So... So it's possible to make that step through that door, meaning you're going from one place to another where you have not been, and uh, it's that kind of a difference, you know, if, uh, from my, in my understanding, a person who is, let's say, entirely physically oriented to discovery that there is an entire world that's more fundamental to this. Mm -hmm. And so that's, it's still within your own experience where the f number four it's really going beyond your ego and connecting with the with the whole or, so or they, you could maybe so i wouldn't say you know that so the ego terminology is freudian and in the way we use it now is very dichotomous it's either it's ego or no ego but here she offers four levels and they each have a value and they're stepwise 
Um, so the third one is achievement. You know, and she's not afraid to put the word achievement. You know, in spiritual circles, it's uncool to say about achievement or goals, right? It's supposed to, you're supposed to have no goal and no desire and so on. But, but she's very st- pragmatic about this. An achievement that may permit you to gain the possibility of the one mind and to be one with it. So there's the one mind, a, a genuine experience of oneness that there is not you and me and the dog and the tree, but there is a one. This is a whole different experience of oneness. And number four is a platform from which to jump toward the direction of spirit. So this she would always resist to give any more detail on because it's, it's, uh, it's a whole separate thing. But she made it always very clear that this is a completely different thing. To reach there, you have to jump into uncertainty. There is not a, a clear path like the previous one, two, three. You have a specific path of how to get from one to the, no- to the next. The fourth one, you have to jump. Uh, so it's a it's a very different level. Um, that's all I can say about it. Now, uh, would you like would you like to now to uh, read for us one of the poems? I don't know which one you want to start with, and then speak about it. Um, we could do that. Sure. So um, I myself, as I cycle through them, you know, over and over, I'm on poem number five, which is love. The poem, the title is love. My two loves have lived side by side. One is not the model of the other, nor its image. Each of my two loves asks for all of me. How to keep the balance? giving to God what belongs to him and to my beloved ones what they have by right of birth. My two loves have lived side by side, but one day, like I, I don't read professionally, so I don't know if it, if it comes through, but it's supposed to be, but one day and three dots, meaning something else happens. And um, so to approach the poem, I think it helps. Um, I think I need to say how I see the poetry working. Um, because in my mind, it's also very uh, precise. Uh, it's, a, it's a mechanism um, that Colette has created from her own spiritual experience. So she has a, spirit, a certain experience. And uh, a poem is... Uh, like a code, if you will, um, that creates, uh, that puts the pattern that she experiences into a form that has its own, uh, kind of reproduces the resonance that she has. It reproduces it within its own form. When we read it, if we are open enough, it will resonate with something like that within us. If that happens, then then you know. If that happens, then you have the experience, and then you know the meaning. It's okay if it doesn't happen, 
the form itself is beautiful also, and many people can appreciate the form. If it does happen, though, and you have that experience going in you, this is um, what she refers to as taking a step at a time as if on a ladder. So then you have one thing that happened. Um, and um, if you then, uh, as you continue doing this work and you are able to have more than one resonating within you at the time, then you have another experience. And I think that, you know, the uh, step two and, and uh, step three and four in particular, those are possible it's a drastic uh, transformation that has to happen and not just uh, an experience. The first two, number one and number two of what she describes, those can happen as a temporary transient spiritual experiences that many, many people have had. You know, we all had some experiences you can feel. It can be very intense and profound, and then it's gone in a while. Um, only a memory about it stays. But... Um, I think that if you have enough of them turned on in you at one time, there is a certain critical mass, and it may be different for a different each person, then it will trigger a transformative change from which you cannot come back. Then you are in the one mind, and you cannot fall out of the one mind. And then you have the platform from which you have a possibility to jump in the direction of spirit. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It makes sense to me. Again, <clears throat> I don't know uh, how many um, who uh, out of our listeners is uh, can appreciate poetry, how much they like poetry. But when I was thinking of introducing Colette's poetry, I thought, you know, if if these poems can give a jolt, can can trigger something special in in one of out of 10 people and maybe it will be in everyone but that one of 20 one of 30 it will be worth it because not everyone responds to every idea or every experience so but i'm very happy that we're introducing colette's poetry and people who uh, will have that a uh, high experience or, or jolt will be able to to get it. Um, the, the book is available on the internet and it's by Colette uh, along with the one. Uh, um, Alia, when, when we spoke on Sunday, I mentioned to you uh, that I had an experience with one of Colette's poems. And uh, I, Colette didn't ask me to talk about her poetry because I, I did not get as much as you did, or and I definitely cannot talk about her poetry um, in depth that you talk. Uh, but I had, and I don't know why I had this powerful experience with one poem, but I mentioned it to you when you and I spoke on Sunday. I have no idea why it had this effect on me, but I would like to read this poem. Uh, and I read this poem over and over, uh, I think it was in 2000. I, I will not say exactly. I don't, I'm not sure. But I was going through a, a very challenging uh, 
period in my life, uh, particularly in th through very challenging few months. And I don't even know, I, I think I just opened Colette's book and, and that poem came to, to uh, to me, uh, or, or somehow I opened on that page, or maybe I flipped through pages and came to this poem. But here it is, and and you will tell me maybe you will help me to understand why uh, why it it had such an impact because really it helped me. Um, I cannot say gain uh, keep my sanity because I was quite sane, but it, I think that it somehow healed me, just like uh, Dr. Rosenthal said in his book. Poetry Rx, that it's a, a poetry can have that healing experience. So the poem is called The Springing Fount. Within the mysterious darkness, the infinite light lies hidden into the flaming fountain. To truly know oneness, you must enter the deep darkness. Then the highest hidden wonder is disclosed. It opens for you and united into the circle. You are one with the one. And that's that's the poem. So, Oleg, would you would you talk about it? Because I, I really I had the impact, I had the experience, but I cannot talk about it. Sure, I can you know share my ideas of the form um, and then. Um, and how I approach a poem like that. I mean, I initially was just uh, touched by her poetry and each one in a special way, and this one also. Um, and so as far as the actual um, content, uh, first, the, uh, you know, the words... Um, mysterious darkness the infinite light and the flaming fountain so in this poem the flaming fountain if you notice is in quotation marks mm -hmm. um so I, I i researched it a little bit and it refers to the the fount i think um and i don't remember exactly now i i, I have it written down uh, but it's uh, i think it's um light uh, it, it's a biblical reference it's a fire i think it's a fire near a tabernacle where uh, when jews traveled something to that effect that's supposed to burn your ego that's the reference anyhow the flaming fountain to truly know oneness you must enter the deep darkness um and and um you know Again, I, uh, I feel reluctant somewhat to go in um, a kind of, uh, it's like uh, uh, by commenting too much on the, uh, on the poem, I feel like it can uh, take away from something deeper. But um, at least to clarify some of the elements, I guess I could say, um, United into the circle, you are one with the one. The experience of the union. Well, how can one feel directly this poem? I think first just by reading and 
having um, an openness, letting your guard down and allowing yourself to feel it, the person can have an experience. Um, so for me, um, the first uh, from the first uh, spiritual experiences I had as a child, it came to me as a memory, meaning it's not something I remember, but when I would hear something, it would be as if I have heard this or I've known this somehow before. I don't know if you see what I mean. Like uh, somebody, a grand, my grandmother would talk to me about God and angels, and I remember feeling like this was something familiar, that somehow I, it's not the first time I hear I've heard about this. Yeah, and so um, in, in uh, the Colette's poetry is all in images, obviously, like this one. You have the mysterious darkness, infinite light, and so on, the flaming fountain. You know, it's images structured one into the next for a purpose to convey the experience. Um, usually, as you know, in mental imagery, the directions that Colette would give is close your eyes, breathe out three times slowly and imagine. And so we go after that, whatever it is you need to imagine. Because of my personal experience, I only in work with the poetry, what I would do to myself is I would, instead of saying and imagine, I would say and remember. And I would, I would pick a key element, something that seems the key element to me at the moment in the poem, and I would go with that. For example, with this poem, I could say, close your eyes, breathe out three times slowly and remember the highest hidden wonder and that's all mm. after having after having read and after having spent time with the poem mm. i got and, mm -hmm. i understand yeah. Alec, that's that's remarkable i have to say like it, it didn't come to i never thought of um using this poetry as as the series of imaginary journey imaginary journeys it's a it's a wonderful idea um, because like like you, you just said um see this and then uh, and then you stopped and then images started coming to my mind so this is the 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 the, the exercise actually is a springboard for for you to unfold your within your consciousness your experience very interesting yeah yeah so colette said um, how the imagery that she was giving mental imagery were the keys that people have doors in them that are closed and she offers the keys mm -hmm. right and uh, with the let's say if we um you know talk about imagination in general if you imagine something at will let's say i want to imagine a, a red tulip that's not considered mental imagery this is just a willful imagination but if you have anything uh, that you would spontaneously provoke in yourself in the Im imaginal world it would have to be a little bit below or deeper than your um conscious level that would 
spring out of, um, let's say, uh, some kind of a conditioning. And so a lot of the exercises, for that reason, she and you and many others who do it are very quick, like open, uh, close your eyes, imagine you are in the dungeon, there's someone else with you, breathe out one time, open your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Very quick. So, so that it's not your willful part and it's not your thinking part that's working, but you actually have triggered a reaction from a deeper level, right? Uh, rather, rather than your fantasy, what you call willful. Exactly. Like, rather you making up stories. Then, yeah, yeah, then yeah. there's no values. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so that uh, in, we want to avoid that. Your own your own fantasy and get into something that is actually more fundamental. But what is this more fundamental? You know, there are multiple layers, as Colette said herself. And first, it's layers of conditioning. So, you know, if you uh, you may have some kind of an image that will uh, be a reaction to some deeper conditioning that's been around from recent life, from long time ago, whatnot. But this poem. The poetry, in my mind, goes past that into the much, much deeper level that's beyond conditioning. So there is a level that is, after all those layers of conditioning that you can work through, there is something else. And the poetry puts us in touch with that. With that. You know, as you spoke, I actually understood uh, at least one of the aspects of the, this, this particular poem and how it helped me uh, in, in difficult times, where <clears throat> it's written, that to truly know oneness, you must enter the deep darkness. For me, it, it, and it was on a, the first level, a little bit uh, not that deep, but the first level of understanding of the poem, because I think it helped me uh, you know, psychiatry, David Hawkins wrote about it, that, that rather than um, trying to transform experience of, of anxiety or depression or sadness, you need just to accept it and experience it fully. And it's also a Buddhist approach. And so for me, uh, to enter deep darkness was to accept, rather than to resist the experience, rather than trying to escape the pain, I was then welcoming it and saying, this is part of being human. In fact, Colette has another poem, and you probably remember it, where she talks about the Cain, and Cain is the brother of the good, right? Do you remember the poem? Yes, the fourth poem, yeah. yeah can, can you, would you like to, to read it and, and talk about it? Because I think it's a wonderful, wonderful poem also. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the only one, right? No, no, it's not. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not that one. I'm looking. Oh, it's the it's the second one. So, <laughs> the second one by reality. Okay. United, I live in two places, the one where I relate with my family of children, friends, events, moments, the other one where multiplicity finishes, 
where everybody and everything are one. In this central unity, evil is only part of the whole, and Cain, brother of the good. And that's the point. And I think it does, uh, it relates, it, it re relates to your, uh, to the poems, The Springing Fount, um, in, in the entry of the deep darkness. And it relates to the poem number five, The Love, which has two loves that have the potential of becoming one. And here it's by reality of, um, um, a different perspective on evil, if one could say it. So, uh, and and with this poem, um, it made it, it for me. Uh, it made a kind of a change in how I perceive uh, what would be considered any kind of um, adversarial movement. So, any kind of a anything that normally would seem wrong bad evil there is a there is a uniting force to them being by reality being being part of one thing and in fact indispensable and necessary to make the wholeness and to feel it it's one thing to understand it intellectually but once it's really felt it's a, then then it 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 helps it um you know, to have a different perspective uh, deeply with feelings, emotions, and thoughts on um, any type of adversarial type experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ali, something came to my mind. I remember, tell me if I'm remembering correctly, a long, long time ago, you read to me your poem that you wrote, I believe, for Colette, when Colette was still alive, and it was called Mother and the Bride. Is that right? Yes, we never I spoke wrote, about it. Yeah, 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 I wrote some poems for Colette, yeah. Yes, but did you, was it Mother and the Bride? Uh, I think so. I, I don't remember my own poems <laughs> by heart. But now, okay, so we leave it alone. But I remember yeah. you. I, I remember that it was very yeah. powerful. So yeah. some, there is something I learned now on on the air, which you and I never discussed. You never told me that Colette gave you uh, twenty four more poems. Like, would you? Do you have them? Would you? Uh, and the question to you is: um, Did she write them after the the book was published? Or did she share with anybody else? When did she give them to you? Uh, it was probably maybe two years after the book was published. She gave them to me. But she, she said that she wrote them all at the same time. Um, just uh, when she was writing, she was in a lot of pain. And she would drop, she would write the poem and drop it on the ground. And that a lot of them went under the bed and under her closet, and then they got cleaned up and put in uh, different places. And uh, and so when it came for her to give the poems to Jerry, she gave him Jerry Epstein. She gave him 86 poems, which he published, but she knew that there were more. And 
and she knew that I was very interested and uh, so eventually she let me go and uh, um, I actually searched uh, in the closet uh, in among uh, lots of different papers and things like that and found them one by one mm-hmm. and she and she let me keep them I brought them to Jerry thinking maybe she wanted me to bring it to Jerry to publish but she said no this is for you Mm, that's that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. So you know, we 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 believe uh, where that nothing happens by a chance. That everything that happens is meaningful. And so the eighty-six poems ended up being published. And you know, in numerology, we always Colette uh, said that a number, uh, for example, that appears in a dream is like a dream within a dream. Dreams are very, uh, numbers are very meaningful. And so 86 poems, if you, and, and what we do is, if there is a large digital number, uh, many digital numbers, two digital, three digital, we just add them. And if you add 86, it becomes eight and six, it becomes 14. And we, we look at numbers meaningful from one to 21. Uh, so 14, uh, is connectedness with others. But then if you collapse it to one digital number, one in four, five means love. So in this book, really uh, an act of love, a gift of love uh, that Colette left. Uh, is there a, another poem that you would like to uh, to share with us, Alec, and talk about? That you, like you have a favorite poem there's not not a I don't have a favorite poem. Um, I um, uh, I uh, kind of systematically go through them one by one, but also because I remember them, then also through the course of the day, sometimes a poem will kind of surface for me. Um, so um, you're saying that you, every day you read the poems. Um, either read or at least do the the mental exercise that I told you about that would be related to the poem. Yeah, so I take the poem, I uh, come up with the mental exercise re- uh, that uh, is the key in my mind at that time to that poem. And then I go through that morning and night for at least several days. And it's Colette died in 2003. And all these years now, for what 18 years you're still doing this pretty much every day yeah yeah you never told me (laughs) you you know you are one of those guys who don't share unless asked it's amazing to me you know (laughs) i remember remember you you and i went to the sea you know people uh don't know but you go to swim every uh, two three times a week in the ocean, in May, state of Maine, regardless whether it's summer or winter. And I remember you came, it was spring, and the people were in the winter coats, and you and I came to the shore, and you took your clothes off, and in your bathing suit, you went to swim. And then I said, what do your children say? And you said, well, they don't know. I didn't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, you know. You, you are, I thought you are either super modest or crazy that no, people don't know anything that, what you do. 
I, I had yeah, no normal. idea that you're living living Colette's poetry every day. It's it's really amazing to me, honestly. You know, I I know you for since your birth, and I still don't know you. <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, I let me ask you then a question. Again, we accept things don't happen by a chance. And I'm looking at the last poem in her book. There is a reason this, and, and I'm sure when Jerry was publishing the book, he, he probably offered Colette uh, to look at the sequence in which they, uh, they will be published. So would you, would you like to read the last um, poem and then talk about the meaning of it? Sure. Uh, so the poem is more. Um, more as in more of something. At hand is the kingdom. I touch his hand and I am plunged into his heart. At hand the kingdom waits, open for me to reach the highest good. My souls have progressed enough for his hand to touch the point where I may receive more. Um, so that's the poem. You know, I think I put it in in the end. If it's Colette or Jerry uh, or both of them, to you know, to to show that there is more, <laughs> that this is not the end. Um, and then the poem itself, if we just look at the what I would call the form of the poem, uh, so there is a repetition of the word hand. At hand is the kingdom. Um, I touch his hand and I am plunged into his heart. So something that's at hand is an English expression, something that's very close, uh, also can provide access to the very core um, at hand the kingdom waits open for me to reach the highest good is the idea that the kingdom is actually waiting for us it's not uh, it's not hiding from us it's not uh, trying to conceal or escape but it's there actually waiting for us and in a way hoping for us to reach the highest good. My souls have progressed enough, and that's a whole mystical dimension to that, which there is a, it refers to other poems that she has, that she uh, uses souls in plural. My souls have progressed enough for his hand to touch the point where I may receive more uh, is to point to that um, the fact that when we are ready there is a his hand that will touch the point for us to receive more and when she comes, when she refers his hand she talks about God she talks about that ultimate reality consciousness yeah right so you have to know and this may be you know as generations go this may be misunderstood already now this is not politically correct 
to refer to God outside of formal Orthodox Judaism as, you know, as his or male way, right? And so, but, you know, Colette being a practicing Jew has, you know, most of her references are Jewish, although not exclusively. And, yeah, his hand with a capital H, you know, uh, and his heart, again, capital H on both his and heart, refers to uh, God. Mm-hmm. And the kingdom, of course, is, is the uh, the kingdom of heaven. Again, all biblical references. And from what, from your your uh, time with Colette, what was her understanding, uh, or what understanding did you get about her vision of heaven versus? if there is such thing as hell? Um, it's just, I think it's not different from what you know, people can read in other spiritual traditions. Um, the uh, uh, heaven, heaven is uh, more in mystical traditions rather than the usual. But my understanding of Colette's understanding is that the kingdom of heaven was something accessible here and now and uh, if it was accessed it doesn't mean then that the day-to-day uh, you know uh, physical pains and unpleasantries uh, will be gone but the perception of them is radically changed and colette could be in tremendous physical pain but you would you can hardly tell because she her mind is not there really is not in the physical pain but in in the kingdom right she because she was connected one time i asked her colette do you pray how often do you pray and she said i'm in a constant state of prayer i want to mention you know our time is now unfortunately coming to an end but one time, uh, it was probably one of the last times I was with Colette, there were a few more students. And uh, I think it was a, a year before she died. Uh, and she said, I think that next year is my time to go. And nobody objected because she was already 94 years old. And one of us said, uh, when you go, how do you want to be remembered? And she says, as a teacher, and somebody said, a teacher of what? And she said, teacher of truth, truth. And somebody said, and what is truth? And she said, is, is, the now, the present moment. That's, that's a, for me a clear memory. And so her poetry was also, as I understand, uh, to bring Almost like, you know, people try to ascend to heaven. And and I like, I like you can comment on what I'm about to say. But my perception is that she was trying to bring heaven to earth rather than bring the us, earth, to heaven. She was trying to uh, encourage people to stay in the isness and to make people aware that the heaven is right, right next through the very uh, connected to the is through a very thin veil and the making the leap or going through the door is just recognizing and totally being open 
to that uh, reality. What do you think? Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. Okay, listen, <laughs> Alek, thank you very much for for coming to this show and, and sharing your insights. And I hope that uh, people got uh, whatever they could get um, from the experience, uh, whatever uh, they were open to, and those who become interested more in, in Colette's poetry can find, uh, I think now all you need to do is to just write uh, on Amazon, uh, along with the one by Colette, and they will find the book. Again, thank you very much, Oleg, and um, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being with us today. I hope I will have your attention next week, next Tuesday. We'll have an open mic where you will have a chance to ask questions, to make comments, to call with your issues, questions, night dreams, uh, whatever you decide, because it will be all uh, me and you. Thank you very much again. Peace to all who want to live in peace.